Come one, come all. It's time for the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast, presented by Sloan. I'm your host, Ryan Dempster, and today I'm joined by former Cubs pitcher, my old teammate, that's right, and 2020 World Series champion as the pitching coach of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Mark Pryor. But first, I got to tell you about Sloan's no-touch hand-washing technology. It's state-of-the-art, second to none, truly in a league of its own and couldn't come at a better time. So we want to thank them for providing that technology to people out there everywhere so we can wash our hands and stay safe. Well, this guy was as much fun to watch as anybody I've ever played with, dominating stuff. Just recently won a World Series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So let's go get it and go off the mound with Mark Pryor. It's great to see you. Congratulations, you? dude. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How's that feel, World Series champion? <laughs> uh, I mean, it feels pretty good. You know, uh, it's still kind of sinking in. And, you know, reality sits in when you get home because you go back to being, you know, dad. But, um, you know, when you think about, you know, you take a moment to think about all the things that went into it. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun and pretty excited for everybody who was involved. Yeah, speaking to everybody who's involved, um, you know, the number one guy there that's been the number one guy for a long time, Clayton Kershaw, um, you know, he's had these ups and downs in the playoffs and I, at times I feel like wrongfully criticized. Was it extra special or did it feel extra special for him, for him finally getting that ring? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I know he's, I mean, that's something, that, that's always been his number one goal. Uh, you know, I know the Cy Youngs and the MVPs and, and, you know, obviously every year the numbers that he puts up um, are incredible. But I think the thing for him is, is his goal has always been, you know, how do we win a world championship? Uh, and this being my third year, I mean, that's something that hasn't changed since the moment I met him um, back in 2018 to, to all the way through the ups and downs of the last couple of years and uh, reinventing himself you know, whatever that exactly means, but uh, basically more importantly, just coming out healthy this year. Um, you know, his goal was to try to win a championship, whether he's in our 162. So I, I think a lot of things have, uh, I know he has a lot of gratification, a lot of satisfaction, uh, and he works, he works really hard. Um, and he's, you know, a huge part of that organization and what they've done over the last decade. He, uh, Ted Lilly, when I, you know, former teammate, and then he went to L.A., and he talked about Clayton, just like how, how much he works, his work ethic, it's tireless, the example that he sets, he's just constantly leading by example. He's passing that example on to Walker Bueller, you know, Julio Urias, these two young kids. Talk about their transformation and what you've seen out of those kids and how they're kind of that next step now, they're at that next level. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's the thing, and I mean, that's the beauty of, uh, you know, as you know, you know, when you have these older guys, you know, and, and especially when they're established and they've been in one place for a long time and they're that clubhouse leader, you know, we go as he goes. And, you know, Walker um, has been around him for the last three, four years. He came up with them. He's been able to watch them. They're, they're friends. Um, you know, they throw together. They work out together at times. Um, and I think Walker, you know, Walker's motivated to be really good. Walker's motivated to be great um, and, and be the best in the league. Um, and then I think his motivation is also to, to live up to the expectations that Clayton is setting for himself as well as the rest of the staff. Um, and, and, and so I, you can definitely see the influence in Walker and his preparation, his approach to pitching, the way he goes and attacks batters. And the same goes for Julio. Julio's had a little bit different of, you know, of, a, of a track. 
Um, young kid, hurt, major shoulder surgery, ups and downs, uh, the limitations from an innings. Uh, but going into this year, all the way back to, to last October, you know, the message was to him was like, look, it's your it's your time now to take hold of your spot in the rotation. And he spent a lot of time working. Uh, it wasn't as maybe as easy as in the beginning of the year, but uh, man, it, it paid off at the end. And I know I think Julio obviously wanted to win it for everybody, but I think I know the influence that Clayton has had on him. He really wanted to kind of help him get over the top and. Uh, Julio was just, I mean, he was a beast in those playoffs. I mean, a beast. I don't think anybody ever saw what he did coming. Uh, we knew he would be special and he'd be a big part of it, but uh, what he did in Game 7 and Game 6, uh, it ranks up there as some of the most remarkable things that I've seen on a baseball field. I, th- I do, do you feel like you have a little bit of an understanding now what Larry Rothschild felt when he had you and Woody <laughs> in the rotation? Because you you're like you got hey you got it easy you got like look at the stud pitchers you got you can just sit back on the arms crossed on the bench and just every once in a while make a trip to the mound. Well, yeah, I mean Larry, yes, almost uh, you know I felt like it was dusty at times. You know, uh, you know we had a couple of hiccups with some injuries with Walker and his blisters and a couple back spasms, but uh, yeah, I mean definitely I, I have much more appreciation and and uh, and. and sympathy and empathy for all the coaches that I've put, you know, whatever I put those coaches through. Uh, Cause it's real. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's real when you, when you walk in and you're like, Oh boy, uh, this guy's not going to be able to post today. So, uh, but on, on the flip side, it, it is, it is so fun to watch these guys go out and perform. I mean, it, it's nerve wracking, but it is fun to watch these guys perform because uh, they're, they're a special, special group. Dude. Um, you know, Career-wise, your career gets shortened because of injuries. Everybody knows that, you know, and it's unfortunate because, you know, you were such a stud pitcher in the big leagues. But a lot of people, that can send them in a different direction. You chose the path of getting the job in the front office with the Padres and then a pitching coordinator with the Padres, bullpen coach with the Dodgers, and then big league pitching coach. Kind of walk us through, were you, were you thinking, like, I want to run a team or I want to be a big league pitching coach one day. How did it all kind of just take place in your, your path to being a big league pitching coach? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of right time, right place uh, in some respects. Um, you know, I went through, you know, a lot of, you know, comeback attempts, I, I guess, so to speak. Uh, spent the last few years in the minor leagues, as you can kind of tell with some of these pitchers, you know, Oklahoma <laughs> City, Louisville, Pawtucket, uh, Scranton. And, and honestly, though, I, I, it gave me perspective and a, and a much more appreciate, you know, much more appreciation for the game. And, and it kind of brought me back to why we play and why we started playing as a kid and through college, um, you know, because I really enjoyed my time. I mean, it obviously didn't get to the point where I got back to the big leagues. Um, but, you know, my last couple of years in Pawtucket and Louisville were some of the you know most fun I've had playing in a long time, you know, albeit, you know, in Chicago. You know, it was just because it was back to just playing for the game, playing for the competition, you know, being a good teammate, those kind of things. And, um, you know, when I got done uh, and when I finally like shoulder finally was like done, done uh, in Louisville, you know, I got a random call from the GM at the time of the Padres and asked me, you know, what I was doing. You know, he knew I was in town and and that's kind of how it started, you know, and it, it was they were just he was placing a feeler, you know, maybe for coaching, maybe for whatever. And, you know, as conversations kind of happened over the next couple months I said look I just want to get back in the game and kind of maybe learn something nothing you know too concrete right now because I don't know what I want to do um and so fast forward things kind of snowballed uh 
uh, got a taste of a lot of different departments in baseball operations. Um, new GM comes in and AJ Preller and uh, we interviewed a lot of pitching coordinators as they flipped over the player development department. And, you know, lo and behold, by the winter meetings, he, he offered me the job and sat around and talked about it for about a day. Is this something I want to do? And next thing you know, I got started. So um, that's kind of how it got started. And then I really just enjoyed, you know, being around players, younger players, trying to impact their, their lives and their careers any way I could, as well as trying to help, um, you know, coordinate pitching coaches and, and help them in their careers as best I can and try to bridge the gap between the front office and what I've learned. Um, and that led me to, to LA and, and I was very fortunate to be able to work on a Rick Honeycutt, uh, watch, watch him at his craft yeah. for the last two years. And I mean, that guy is a beast. Uh, he spent 10, 12 years uh, in LA, obviously grooming a lot of really good pitchers and building a, a pitching culture uh, that hopefully I can continue on and pass on to the next coach. Um, when that moment happened, I, you know, I remember texting Glenn and Rush right afterwards. So happy for Pryor. Like we, we were so happy for you. Um, so many Cubs fans were happy for you because you had so many, uh, you know, great seasons here in Chicago. And, and I know how much the fun, uh, fans appreciated you here. And were you bummed out no parade yeah. or did you just go sit in L.A. traffic for a little while to feel like it? Yeah, well, LA traffic is even less than LA normal LA traffic, so uh, that's not a bad idea. You could just parade down the five; it still takes some time. Um, you know, you get the chance now as a as a pitching coach to win a World Series, and um, so happy for you. But stepping back and kind of taking a trip back, coming up as a Chicago Cub and playing in Chicago, what did that time mean to you in your career? I mean. I mean, it was everything. I mean, uh, I was young back then. I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, what was it like? I was like, look, I was 20, 21 when I started. Um, I didn't, I didn't even know what I was in. I mean, I was just in it and I didn't really even know what I was doing probably back then. Um, you know, I was so focused just on like, how do I get to the next, you know, next fifth day? How do I just make my next start? You know? And, and I didn't even like necessarily pick my head up and realize what was going on and, and appreciate sometimes, you know, what we were doing as a group. Uh, let alone where I was and you know I mean it was just kind of one of those things you're just playing but uh, I, I think you know for me uh, you know I, I think we're all a byproduct of our life experiences and you know I went through some ups and I went some, through some downs in Chicago um, you know we always talk about as coaches you know how to handle adversity like I didn't handle adversity probably as best uh, as maybe as well as I would now um, you know, at times I got bitter, sometimes I got angry. Um, and so, I, but I think all those things, you know, put me in the position to, to share my life experiences as a coach now. Uh, and one of the things that I always kind of say, and, you know, in one of my philosophies, and I started this when I was in San Diego, is like, look, I'm not going to have probably all the answers to, to be able to answer every player's question. Uh, but one, I feel like I'm I'm willing to go ask the right questions to somebody else who might have the answer. And I'm willing to say I don't have the answer, but I'm also willing, and I think it's important to find somebody who can relate to those to that person. Um, because I don't believe my voice is always the right voice for everybody. So if I can find the right person and at least get the message through that person or that coach, uh, then I think we're still doing our job collectively as a group. Um, but I think a lot of the ups and downs, the, you know, being on top, being out, being independent ball, being hurt. I think that allows me, you know, at least to bridge a relationship or at least start a relationship with a player. Um, and, you know, they're not all Clayton Kershaw's and, 
that kind of have this, you know, very rocket rise and they stay there. I mean, some guys come up and then they struggle and then they go back down. And I can relate to that in some ways. Um, you know, we had another guy who had Tommy John or late this year as his second one. I can relate to having multiple surgeries. Yeah. Uh, so I do think all those things have helped me, I guess, formulate, you know, my, you know, my voice. That's it, probably the best way to put it. I think, too, for you, you know, relating to guys on having to live up to other people's expectations. You know, like passing that along that you, your only expectations that matter are your own. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that's ultimately, and it's even more heightened, I think, today in, in today's uh, social, you know, media. I mean, there's so much more focus. I mean, there's always a lot of focus with everybody, specifically in Chicago or even a, any big market team. Uh, but now it's so immediate and these guys are connected and engaged as they should be. Um, but with that also comes with, you know, a lot of people that will take some shots at you. And, and, and I know that gets to some guys at times. Um, it, and it's, I think it's human nature to admit that it does. Uh, but it's just how do you go out and say, look, you know, I can only be, you know, as good as I can be and, and really try to just focus on, you know, your craft and what it means to be a good player, what it means to how good can I be. I remember something that Maddox always you know, told us when he was with us and he's like, how good can I be today? And, and that's what I, some of the messages I try to relate to players. It's like, look, it doesn't matter what you've done. Five stars. It doesn't matter what you do in the next 10 stars, but it's like, how good can you be today against the San Francisco giants? That should be your only focus. How good can you be in your bullpen today to challenge yourself and, and have a level of expectation uh, and, uh, that's reasonable to be a major league pitcher. And so I think when you start focusing more on that, then you start to hopefully be able to, you're never going to turn off the noise, uh, but you can at least hopefully dim it down to the point where you can, you know, let the other, your other skill take over and you can be who you are and be the best that you can be. Um, and you weren't with the Dodgers yet. So I can ask this question in 2016, when the Cubs finally win the world series, something that you guys came close to as a group. We came, we had a good team in 04 again, 05, but we never quite got it done. Who were the people that you were most happy for or thrilled for when the Cubs finally, aside from Gary Stark and Otis Hellman, Tom Hellman and Gary <laughs> they Stark. They were the guys. And they were the guys. <laughs> they were the guys. They were the guys. Um, probably because those are the guys that were still, you know, still around when I was there. Um, is a lot of those guys that are behind the scenes, the ushers, uh, some of the front office guys and Jim um, and Joe and, and guys that, you know, that you'd see on day to day. A lot of people that work behind the scenes, whether it's baseball ops or business ops. I mean, and for people who don't know, Gary Stark and Tom Otis Hellman are equipment managers for the team or were. And then, right. you know, Danny Mueller's there now. So people are wondering at home, wait, those guys weren't on the team. I don't remember them. Yeah, no, no, no those weren't guys. Those weren't the one day call up guys. No, but. You know, obviously, yeah, I, I think back, you know, and, and fortunately I was able to take my family. We went back to uh, to the three games that were at home for the World Series. And, you know, that had been the first time I'd been back to Wrigley Field, I think, um, for a game, probably since I played there in 06. Uh, so that was unique. And to sit in the stands and watch a game uh, was something I'd never actually done. I never actually watched a game from the stands. So there was a lot of cool moments about that, but I think, like I said, all those guys, Gary Stark and Otis, the guys that, you know, are in the trenches that day in and day out for the clubhouse, uh, whether it's the guys in the front office, really happy for those guys. I didn't know a lot of the players at the time. Uh, you know, it's nobody that I had played with, but, you know, I know what, and we, we know what they've went through uh, to get to that point uh, and what it meant for them as a team, what it meant for an organization and ultimately what it means for the city and the fans 
Uh, it was fun. I, I was glued to my TV. Uh, I don't probably watch every World Series game, you know, normally, but I, I watched every every playoff game that I could, uh, specifically the World Series, and I was it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and I was really happy for everybody. And now you got to have all that fun um, out there in LA. You guys finally got that ring. That's awesome stuff. You're in Hollywood now, like you're out there. So, like, are you going to take over for Keith Hernandez with the Just for Men <laughs> commercials? Because I noticed no, you no, let it go a little gray. Oh, what you you graded up? Yeah. Do, you, do you go a little dye during the season? No, no. This is this is all natural. I mean, come on. You know me. Do you think I'm going to take the time to, to upkeep something? That's three like this? kids right there. That's what that is. That's three kids. That's three kids. They don't want to shoot it. Some people think I've dyed the black part. I'm like, dude. I'm just. I'm. Well, I I guess I'm blessed with with a lot of hair. You know. I don't. I guess that's a good thing. So. Um, I was asking about the Peloton earlier, and the reason I'm saying because your your calves dominate, so I don't even. Be, when when the guys are kind of giving you know the young pitchers are kind of throwing it at you or giving you a little something, do you ever just like go in the weight room and just calf press it just to just to let them know? Well, yeah, I still I still get some some grief about that, but you know when Hunjin Ru was with us, uh, he had some pretty impressive calves, so you know we at least got to uh, throw our weight around at times, you know if anybody wanted to give us some grief, so. Uh, yeah, they're still there and say, hey, look, guys, you know, you can work all you want on it. It's just not going to happen. But uh, I wear my pants down now. It's a lot more comfortable. So, you know, I don't show them off too much. Occasionally on a Sunday I will. But, you know, I'm in the dugout, so hopefully I don't make too many mound visits. I was just curious. One thing I did have to ask you is you talked about it. Like, it is pressure, right, for these young kids in the social media world. Like, somebody can say 10 nice things about them. And one person says something bad, and then we get all mad, right? We're like, oh, why are you saying bad? And nobody hears the 10 nice things you said. Um, do you have a burner account, like a Twitter burner account, where you can keep track of everything that's going on there? <laughs> no, no. I'm, uh, you need one. You can just keep I writing know. nice things about the guys. I, sh I should. I, I, need a, I need accounts to keep track probably my kids. My kids are more up to, up to date <laughs> on this stuff than I am. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a real thing. I mean, these guys would be like, come to me after games, and you're like, dude, look at what they just posted on Twitter, and they're like, you got to check this out. I'm like, well, then bring me the phone, because I don't have it, so, uh, you know, I need to know what's going on, but uh, I, I probably should get up to speed, but uh, at one point, it was just, it was for me, it was just, go down too many rabbit holes, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't, didn't have time. I'm like, I want to go to bed, you know? <laughs> Well, um, keeping up with things is you guys won the World Series. We all kept up with that. It was awesome to watch. Um, I was proud for a lot of the players there, but um, like many people here in Chicago, probably, we were so proud for you. The journey you've been on is remarkable to get where you are now and back in the big leagues, leading the ship at the, at the pitching coach helm. Congratulations, man. Well done. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And, uh, it's, uh, it won't get old, that's for sure, until the, uh, until the first game for next year. Oh, that's great stuff right there from Mark Pryor. Man, always great to catch up with him. Been a too long for sure. So happy that he finally got that World Series trophy. What an incredible journey to get back there. To hear more conversations like the one you just heard, please download and subscribe to the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And it's all pre presented by our good friends at Sloan. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>